Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. They're talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. The New Jersey Kid, Joe Sheehan. That's the difference between you and I. For me, this is about passion, and for you, this is about fame. And nobody will ever remember you. The Rogue of Wrestling, Michael Newman. Yeah, that works in Hollywood, that works in the movies, but this isn't the movies, this is real life. And in real life, I am the real hero. You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Super Smart Brothers are coming right back at you with another edition of our excellent podcast filled with absolutely accurate predictions, as evidenced by the fact that I am still your champion, the rogue of wrestling, Michael Newman, joined alongside my tag team partner, the New Jersey kid, Joe Sheehan. Yeah, I think you killed me at full gear, didn't you? Um, it wasn't that bad of a slaughtering. Although we did, like, we both had very uh, confident predictions that were totally wrong. Like, <laughs> I was like, Pack is absolutely beating Paige. And then somehow he didn't. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember, I think the other one for you was like, uh, I feel like, were you, how confident were you in Cody? Did you think Cody was going to take it? Or did, uh, there was somebody else you were confident in. Oh, Lucha Brothers. Uh, you were, you were it was like, the Lucha, yeah, Bro- Lucha Brothers. I was like, definitely taking it. And I was like, an SEU is going to break up. And Yep, all that shit. <laughs> and nope, SCU is still uh, SCU. Yeah, and they uh, defeated even the champion this week. Yeah, I, oh my gosh. What are you, all right, what are your thoughts on that booking? I don't think they should have booked that match, but. Because it's just a weird, like. It was such a weird match. Like, they. That was a WWE style booking, right? Mm-hmm. Of you have your world champion, um, and so his first pin should be like huge. His first loss, actually, right in the company, should be huge, and so I feel like it should be like a single star that you're gonna make out of it, right? Yeah. But instead, it's just um, Scorpio Sky. It was Scorpio Sky out of the out of SEU, which I guess is great for Scorpio because. I mean, he had that kind of coming out moment in that one. It was the TV taping that I went to in Philly mm-hmm. when, like, he lost both of his shoes and stuff like that. Uh, and he had to. Re- that's when he had to replace Daniels, right? And so, like, the mm-hmm. crowd got really right. behind him more than they ever have. So, I mean, if eventually they're going to split him off and make him a single star and, like, bring this all up, great. But mm-hmm. if he's just staying in a tag team, kind of weird, right? Yeah, it. I definitely agree. I feel like it. if it's something that they're going to try and eventually build with like with Scorpio Sky then maybe this could be a smarter move um the only other thing that I can think of as far as like maybe this could be very interesting as far as part of why they did this is if they are this committed to tag team wrestling if they want to put forth the idea that the tag team championships are basically equal to the world championship but just the tag team version versus the singles version then if they want to try and make it look like your tag team champions basically are equal to your world champions, but in the tag in a tag team scenario, that's when they can edge them out and beat them. But then in a single scenario, that's when the world champion will win. Yeah. So, like, if they play it right, I think it could be interesting. 
but it does reek of like really bad weird WWE booking. Yeah, of like why would you put and like Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho had what they won one match. Why are they getting a title shot out of that? Like yeah, that that was the part that was really weird. Honestly, I think there was like, well, why were they competing for and the, the tag titles? The logic too is just you have proud and uh, right, powerful. You have, you have proud and powerful in that same stable, and they just beat the Young Bucks at full gear. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't they be they're, the world match? They're your tag team. Like, it's this is the breakdown. You have Chris Jericho as the world champ. You have Proud and Powerful as the tag team champs. And then Sammy Guevara slash Jake Hager, more likely Sammy, is going to take, if you ever come out with, like, an intercontinental-type title. Mm-hmm. You know like, what? Here, this would have been some really cool booking as far as, like, if, if they still wanted to use what I assume they're kind of going for as far as, like, Jericho's clout to try and get them this match. Yeah. What they could have done is, like, say Proud and Powerful is like, hey, look, we want a tag team title match. But then it's like, well, frankly, while you have won your matches, you haven't had enough matches yet to prove that you should have it. Because technically, they haven't had that many matches in AEW yet. So then Jericho could be like, well, how about me and Sammy? You know, I have the best record in AEW. I'm the champion. So you should give me the title match. And then it's like, well, okay, you're forcing my hand. Then he pulls the rule that's like, well, Okay, so then if it's me and my guys, then I'm going to pull the same rule that SCU does. Because when they were in that tournament for the titles, Daniels was the registered competitor. But he didn't compete. Scorpio Sky did. So we're going to do some substitutions. And then bam, proud and powerful substitute in. Right? Yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of other ways they could do it as far as, like, I don't know, something else they could do very smart. But I'd... I'm still reserving sub-judgment. While this definitely seems like it was probably a bad choice, and I think the overall it definitely was, because, right, like you said, Chris Jericho's first pin should not have been to Scorpio's guy. Yeah. Like, it just shouldn't. But it happened, uh, and they can make something good out of the situation. I think. I mean, unfortunately, yeah, they, it does lead into, like, the whole 50-50 booking thing, because Jericho definitely has to pin Scorpio Sky. Like, he, he has to get that back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think... Uh, it, you're right, if they do something with Sky out of this, that can make it worth it. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I was thinking that could be interesting as far as, like, a story they could do with this, although I do think it is a little bit too early to do this story, but still it could be interesting anyway is if Jericho really gets mad at Sammy and starts punishing him for this fallout because the idea could be that like part of why Jericho brought Sammy in and this could be like part of the closed door behind part of their deal is saying mm-hmm. that like look I need somebody to be my, be my pin eater because in AEW wins and losses matter so in a situation if I'm about to get pinned say like in a tag team match I need somebody Who's going to be willing to lay down and get pinned instead? And maybe that could have been secretly part of Sammy Guevara's job in the inner circle is to be the guy that lays down for Jericho to preserve his record. And then Jericho could be pissed at him, be like, what the fuck? You fucked up. Like, you should have been the one in there getting your ass kicked. Like, not me. And that actually, you know what? That could even lead into what you're saying, right? With like Sammy and MJF occupying too much of the same space within the group. Like if Sammy isn't doing his job, then Sammy gets kicked out. And yeah. MJF slides in. 
there you go. I don't know. I'm, I, uh, what do you think about the inner circle and its dynamic? Like, do you think that with uh, MJF and Wardlow, if they were to join in, do you think that would be too many people at this point? Um, it, it it would be getting there. It would be it's like the start of the NWO, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like you start with Hogan, Nash, and Hall. All right, then X Pac comes mm-hmm. in. Okay, it's still okay, and then. Then you have like Big Show and Vincent, right. who, who could who could join this new group. I mean, Inner Inner Circle might need uh, some Soul Man Jones. <laughs> I I definitely think Soul Train Jones definitely has to come back for some other Jericho promos. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, I you know because I, I I agree. I think that it's if they keep it for at least for now, just that like MJF and maybe Wardlow join. Because at least, like, when they've joined, like, this was part of a big story and there's a reason for them to join. But, like, if all of a sudden after this, like, a bunch of other people just start joining, then it's going to be kind of very, like, all right, this is too many people. And now it doesn't mean as much. Right. Yeah. Although, do you think that at some point, um, it like, say the inner circle starts recruiting more people, do you think that, like, the elite, as it were, like, if that's still an official group... Do you think they would recruit more people? I don't think so because that group was created outside mm-hmm. of AEW, and so like to start messing it with it now, it would be a little weird. So true. That's fair. Although, I mean, the elite was like a branch out of the Bullet Club at one point, so maybe you could have like a branch of the elite, like some yeah. something else within the elite. I don't know. Or maybe not. But um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about the rest of the fallout from Full Gear? Because we also had uh, Omega versus Moxley, which was a very bloody affair. Oh, yeah. How? What was your uh, feeling on that? Did well, you... I was really glad that Moxley won. I think he needed to. Um, I also... You know, I, just, I really... I kind of dug it. I think there were certain spots that I didn't like as much. Like... Um, I don't know, I thought the the mousetrap board was a little bit uh, bad. It wasn't nearly as bad as that paper cut spot they did a long time ago with Jimmy Havoc. Oh, yeah. Um, but that one was a little bit off. I thought that uh, doing, like, the... Um, oh, shit, what was it? The, the barbed wire board, I felt like that could have been done better or differently because, like, the, the lack of damage that that inflicted versus, like, how much the other barbed wire shit did... It just felt like it didn't match up. So I guess mostly my criticisms are very little nitpicky things. Because I think overall I liked it. But uh, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, I thought, yeah, it got a little too excessive slash silly, right? With, like, the mousetrap mm-hmm. board and things like that. And, like, that spider web kind of thing of yeah. uh, mm-hmm. barbed wire. Um, I just think um, they are in their early stages, so it's you're walking this fine line of like wanting to appease your fans, and so I know that there's fans that enjoy that type of stuff. Uh, we were just discussing mm-hmm. off the air, but I just went to an indie show last night that had like every single match was light tubes and barbed mm-hmm. wire and all this stupid crap, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, how do people like stand this stuff? And uh, 
there is an audience for it. So I'll give them that. But you also have to think about the, the audience you're trying to attract and grow. And so when you have like the start of your Wednesday night show and I'm sitting there with my girlfriend and she just goes, oh my God, what happened to Kenny Omega's back? And then they show clips and she was just like, oh mm-hmm. my God, why? Like, and it was like making like True. vomit noises. Like it's, you're, you're walking that fine line. Right. And like, I don't, I can't tell them which way to go. Mm. Like, but I just think you, you need to know that when you do that kind of stuff, it's a double edge. True. And I think, I think it was actually really smart as far as like the way that they did it, as far as labeling it as the unsanctioned thing. Cause I, I, I think that, mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully they'll pursue this too, but I think that it's going to be one of those things that they only do every once in a while. And I felt like, you know, the, the build between Omega and Moxley, like, there had been enough there to justify it. And especially just as far as, like, establishing Moxley in AEW and a lot of, like, who his persona is, I thought that was necessary, too. Because, like, you know, the whole story behind it was, like, he wants to fuck this guy up so bad, and he has been fucking him up the last couple of months through backstage attacks and things like that, that now they are wanting to fight in a manner that AEW's board will not sanction because they want to do too much harm to each other. So it's like, all right, cool. Then let's have this match where it's just like everything goes, just fucking kill each other because they're not even really looking for a real winner because it's not even going to be recorded in the books. They're just looking for one guy to beat the shit out of another guy until he won't move anymore. Basically. And so I liked it. I liked it. It, it, yeah. it felt like the beginning of a blood feud because I don't think that this is over. Like, I think Kenny's going to come back for revenge at some point. But it was a very big first step in that feud and establishing Moxley as the guy who will go to whatever lengths it takes to beat a guy up if he is pissed off at him. (laughs) Basically. And and now it looks Mm -hmm. like we've got his next feud set up, too, because he was saying, like, you know, whoever else wants to... I love it. I love the way he phrased it. Whoever else wants to face their mortality... You know, because right afterwards, like, you know, he beat up Michael Nakazawa, who's like a nobody, to get another win on his record. He's like, yeah. does that one count? You know, basically saying, like, <laughs> a win doesn't matter because, like, what did it mean to beat that guy? What it meant was when I beat the shit out of the top star. And so he's like, who else wants to fucking yeah. fight? Who wants to prove that they're the top guy? And yeah. uh, Darby Allen is up for the challenge next. And I think that's a good matchup. I don't know. What do you think about Moxley versus Darby on the horizon? I think it's a great matchup. You have your top, like, star, so to speak, right, in terms of uh, mm-hmm. John Moxley. And then you have... Um, uh, your best rising star, I would say, in terms of Darby Allen. Like, the Darby's been the, the guy that they've created the best i'll say so it's a great matchup mm-hmm. in terms of that yeah i would definitely agree i'd say like yeah darby allen is definitely one of their top rising baby faces and uh you're know, getting to work opposite a guy who i think will be able to work a good like the similar style with him to show off his strengths i think it'll be a really cool program and you know what yeah now that i think about it too um as far as like at some point, AEW, I assume, will probably try and invent like some sort of mid-card title for singles guys. What if they ended up making kind of like yeah, probably. a hardcore kind of title? One where you could have matches and it wouldn't necessarily have to be under sanctioned rules to kind of like 
appeal to the Moxley type character. What do you think? I was Sorry, saying was that, that if they were gonna, you know, make sort of a mid card title, then what would you think about them trying to design one that was uh, uh, built around the concept of having these matches that were sort of unsanctioned or looser rules, use of weapons, things like that, to accommodate the Moxleys and the Darbies and things like that. Yeah, and I think do that kind of stuff maybe more on like dark. Mm. AW Dark and stuff like that, like maybe make that kind of mm-hmm. that brand. That would actually be an interesting idea, especially too, right? Because like Dark is online versus on TV, so then people have to go more so to seek it out, and so then maybe they'd run mm-hmm. into less problems as far as like advertisers and what things they could do. So maybe like as far as appealing to that niche, then they can appeal to that niche even more. Yeah. With, like, you know, hardcore bloody matches and things like that. Although, I guess if they get too extreme, they might, like, fuck up the main show because then people are like, wow, we saw all that crazy shit. Now we just have to sit back and watch regular wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Although, I guess maybe they could always, like, film some things out of order. Like, they could do some of AEW Dark before the show, maybe some AEW Dark after the show, and then just re-edit it for when they put it up online. I don't know, yeah. I'm, I'm really digging Dynamite versus uh, NXT. What did you think uh, this week for the two shows? Who who do you feel like won the week? Uh, I think AEW. Because I think NXT has lost some steam with this uh, invasion mm-hmm. stuff. Like, all they had this week was Bailey, which, no offense. Um, mm-hmm. I guess because I maybe that I felt like disappointing because I thought it was going to be Dakota Kai. <laughs> And then it was Bailey, and it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like, yeah, at this point, like, they, it's like they're doing too little, right? Like, with the invasions, I feel like they should be stepping it up. Like, each time somebody should coming in and be, like, yeah. doing more and escalating the fight even more. But it's just like, they all just kind of run in really quickly, like, hit each other once or twice, and then just kind of run away. And it's just like, it's just, I feel like it's getting mm. repetitive, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's losing a little bit of steam, but um, I'm still I'm still excited as far as like the the war games matches. I think those will be exciting. Yeah, I think that's that's setting up to be what I'm most excited about. Um, not the actual like invasion part, but the war games matches themselves. Maybe even a little bit more of the Survivor mm-hmm. Series, like because we're gonna get like Shinsuke. And uh, what's that triple threat? Shinsuke, uh, Roderick Strong, and AJ um, Styles, I think. Strong, which yeah, like, I had seen a fucking amazing post about that exact match. You want to hear this joke? So if Nakamura <laughs> wins that match, he should declare declare himself yeah. the king of Strong Styles. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I feel like I'm more excited about War Games than I am Survivor Series. Which is like, kind of part of the course, split. right? Like, NXT is usually it, like, doing better than the main roster. And like, when NXT gets to do its own thing, rather than getting tainted by the main roster, I feel like it's it's better. Yeah. Like, the, far, the farther away it can be from Vince, the better. 
But also, I feel like hmm. that these matches actually mean something more, as far as, like, so the men's War Games match, this is the faces of NXT versus the Undisputed Era. This match matters because, basically, the, yeah. like, if the baby faces win, then they're going to be the de facto number one contenders for all the titles in NXT. Like, that fucking matters. You know, and then a similar thing with, like, the wins yeah. war games. I guess at this point, there's really only the one women's title in NXT, but this is sort of, like, all the top contenders basically vying for who should get the next shot. In a way, I would imagine. I guess, like, is that the story you think is kind of being told for the NXT women's title match? Or the NXT women's war games match? Sorry. Uh, a little bit. Because, like, to me, it, it is a little bit weird I mean, that some of the heels are aligning together. Like. Yeah, but you could you could go with, like, the equal to hatred of the babyfaces kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, similar how to Jericho and MJF agreed on Cody Rhodes true, being the worst. True. So, yeah, I guess it could just be that they all hate the, the other babyfaces that are there. So, they're just aligning together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but then like you know, comparatively to like the men's and women's five on five Survivor Series matches, and then even the uh, like the King of Strong Styles match, and like Becky Bailey versus Baszler, it's like, does it matter who wins? Because like it doesn't seem to me like it even matters who wins any of those matches. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because, like, there's no defined stakes beyond just, like, I guess, you know, your brand wins, and I suppose maybe um, one brand will be, like, the quote-unquote winner brand if they've won the most interbrand matches. But, like, without the draft or anything like that being important, like, I don't see why that matters. Because, like, say if you're draft one, or you're brand one, and then you got, like, the first pick in the draft or something like that. Like, okay, then that maybe that shit matters. But, like, I don't even see why this matters. Yeah, I don't <laughs> so, either. I mean, it's, it's, it's just bragging rights, right? That's what yeah. it's always been. So. I don't know. I guess it's, to me, I guess maybe this is, like, uh, me being an old person. And I guess it's, like, me being, like, an artificial old person because I don't really don't feel like I experienced it that much in my own time. But... For the things I've gone back and watched, I feel like I really appreciated that a lot of the Survivor Series matches were built out of an actual feud that was going on between people who actually wanted to fight each other for reasons. Instead of it just being like, oh, well, it's a we have to just do five-on-five tag matches because I guess that's what we do. And it doesn't even have to be between <laughs> people who are actually feuding or fighting or anything. Like... like I don't like. Why wouldn't they even just like extend the whole stupid like Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair feud that they were doing for no reason at Crown Jewel? Like, they could have even just done that. Like, even that could have been a reason. Like, I don't. I don't care. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just give me some reason to care about this match, or even this like goddamn pay per view. Because I guess past that, past the interbrand matches, where there's just like Lesnar versus Mysterio and. uh... The Fiend versus Daniel Bryan, I think. Uh, 
Yeah, I can't think yeah. of anything else, right? And, like, wasn't Daniel Bryan feuding with Nakamura? Like, when is he getting that title match? <laughs> is he just all of a sudden gets the t- the, um, he just gets to fight Bray Wyatt now for the Universal title? Well, yeah, because Bray Wyatt went after him, though, right? So it was kind of Bray choosing his opponent. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. I guess you're right. Yeah, was it like Daniel Bryan didn't come out and go, like, I want the title. It was <laughs> Bray Wyatt that came out and was like, I'm going after Daniel Bryan. <laughs> and like, I'm trying to, did he really even explain why? Or is it just kind of like, ah, I'm just doing this because? Uh, no, I think it was yeah. just because. Very, very odd. Uh, and then, you know, we've got Lesnar versus Mysterio because, you know, for some fucking reason, I don't know, if he could squash Cain Velasquez, you know, maybe Rey Mysterio will be competitive. <laughs> yeah. You know, you gotta go after the guy that hit you after the match. Man, you know what's even more fucking tits, like, about this whole situation, too, for Cain Velasquez? I, like, he's not even gonna be on this card, probably, is he? For Survivor Series. No, like I don't. There hasn't been um, anything on, like if he's getting his because I know he needed knee surgery, so I don't know if he's getting that mm. now. If like the um, mm. what you call it, the um, Saudi Arabia match was like his write off for the okay. meantime. Or you know, here you go. No, this is this is classic WWE booking. This is what they'll do because this wouldn't make any sense. It would just be dumb. But uh, after Lesnar beats Mysterio, Kane will come down with a chair and in a sling and rescue Rey Mysterio from Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and then we just get a repeat again of Kane versus Brock at the next pay-per-view or whatever. Or no, I'm, no Brock Lesnar won't show up for like, what is the next TLC? That's not big enough. No, it's Rumble. definitely going to be uh, Survivor Series and then Rumble. Royal so. Rumble. Man, hmm, I mean, this this would be way too uh, early predictions, but uh, anybody you feel like would be a good candidate for the Royal Rumble this year? Because huh. uh, I assume Lesnar will probably keep the title till Mania, so you've got him. Somebody could challenge, or I don't know. I I feel like I don't see Bray Wyatt holding it all the way to WrestleMania, so I think somebody will probably dethrone him before then. Hmm. Who wins the Royal Rumble um, 2020? Trying to. Th- Shorty G. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Ali. Oh, wait. He got his first name oh, back. He's Mustafa Ali again? He is Mustafa Ali again. Good job. Good job. He has reattained his name. I don't know, that, like, that was a really weird trend for a while. Why was Vince all about just, like, chopping off half of people's names? <laughs> uh, it was just like, oh, the last name, just just the last name sounds better. Yeah, it's just like for everybody, it was like, you know, you're not Antonio Cesaro anymore, you're just Cesaro. Uh, you're not Alexander Rusev, you're just <laughs> Rusev. You're not Mustafa Ali, you're just Ali. Like, everybody just becomes a one-name person. Like yeah, I don't. Do you think that's uh, him having so little faith in his audience that he's like, ah, oh, people can't remember two names. That's too hard. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be much it's better much if just better one. Just one. Oh my gosh. 
Less to remember. I mean, you got to keep things simple because otherwise people will just start ad-libbing and they'll say something like Lucha Things. And... Keep it simple, super. Um, let's see. I feel like this week, between NXT and AEW, the thing that I really appreciated was that um, AEW really threw in, in my opinion, because we talked about this like slightly before we came on the show, but I wanted to express it again on air, that the thing I loved about AEW was the promo between MJF and Jericho. And I love the the subtlety and how much I feel like they're they they know that there is a percentage of their audience that really does care and is smart and is paying attention. And I feel like the way they put this together was really appealing to in both ways to the people who aren't paying attention and to the people that are. Because for the people who are not paying attention as much, then it's like okay, great, cool. MJF betrayed Jarek or MJF betrayed Cody. He's just always been a backstabbing, mm-hmm. lying little you know, weasel. And you know now he's going to join with the other backstabbing, healing weasels and be with them. And then for the people who I feel like, this is my theory, who are paying attention even more, MJF is clearly just doing the same game that he did to Cody, now onto Jericho. And he did it in a way to play to Jericho's arrogance. Like, get him to accept him yeah. in and... Like, hey, we're kind of the same person. Yeah, and actually, that was really funny, too, like, how much Y2J did run that down. It was like, you know, you're a scarf-wearing guy who's, like, devilishly handsome. You've got a three-letter name. You just want to be me. And it was, like, stunningly true. And I love that. <laughs> this, uh, you were born, was it 19 years ago? He's like, so while me and Hoovy yeah. were having a match, your mom and dad got it on. Yeah. Who's Hoovy? <laughs> Google it. Oh my god, their chemistry was great. Like, I can't wait to see them together for hopefully months, maybe even years to come. Because, <laughs> yeah, see, like, I, in my fantasy booking, as far as just like, you know, we'll see where things go. I feel like it would be really cool to at some point see um, you know, MJF use his position within the inner circle to at some point, probably not take it from Jericho, probably like Jericho would have to drop it to somebody else, somebody that Jericho can't beat, and then MJF beats that person. MJF eventually becomes the champion, like throws out Jericho or whatever on his ass, and then this could be part of how Cody then finally gets... Uh, his title match back is then um, MJF ends up challenging Cody because mm-hmm. you know it's like while obviously Cody can't challenge it's like MJF could challenge him kind of a thing and then maybe then that's when finally Cody Rhodes wins the title is because he could win it from the guy who fucked him over all that time long ago MJF like yeah. I feel like that would be, like, Cody Rhodes's true crowning moment. Well, I think he's. I think like that was the like bringing in MJF and now Wardlow, like that's now his uh what should we call it? His obstacles to mm-hmm. getting to yeah, the title. Yeah, the mountain he has to climb. So, I think that was 
part of the reason that they were yeah. introduced. So, yep, he's gonna have to go through them. Yeah, and then the rest of the uh, uh, which we call inner yeah. circle. Although question remains now at this point, um, with Pack, he continues to be so goddamn impressive that it's like at some point they're just gonna have to give him a title match. Do you think they're going to have to do it sooner than later here, or do you think they're going to have to throw another obstacle in his way? Because uh, I guess the only problem, right, would be that like Pac and Jericho is like a heel versus heel match, but I'd still be interested to watch that. I think the crowd would actually be kind of behind Pac. I mean, you could do the match coming up soon, right? Sure, why not? Because we got to remember, they're not doing a pay-per-view every right. month. Yeah, so when is, when is so... the next scheduled thing? Maybe like sometime in January or February? I think it's February or March. They're, they're doing okay. quarterly, so about every four, or every three months then, right? So they just did November, so it's December, January, February, and then I think they want to watch to make sure they don't get too close mm-hmm. to WrestleMania. So I think, like, February or March would be your yeah. best bet. Okay. Because you also don't want to do January because of the right. Rumble. Rumble so. and Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Don't you forget Wrestle Kingdom. Well, Wrestle Kingdom's so early. It's like the yeah. beginning of January. I don't think they would do another show that mm-hmm. soon, right? Because it's like almost the end of November. Then you have December and then January. So I don't think they want true, something that soon. True. So, No disrespect to <laughs> New Japan. Though I am looking forward to seeing a, a two-night event. Um, that, that has really piqued my yeah. curiosity for... Yeah, it's going to be good shit. Uh, yeah, and right now they've got uh, yeah. the tag league is underway. Well, actually, no, wait, you... You couldn't do a show around the same time because Jericho has to go over True, to Japan. because Jericho's going to be on night two, fighting Tanahashi. Yeah. Oh, quick side note about Japan. Did you hear about the problems Kenny Omega had? I have had? been hearing a lot of rumors uh, from different sides. Yeah, so the this, this story as we know it is Kenny tried to go over and do a show for mm-hmm. DDT. And got stopped at the borders. He he made it, and I think he did the mm-hmm. show, but it was held up at the border for a really long time. And apparently, this has only happened after he's left mm-hmm. New Japan. And so it's been like a: Are they doing something? And like well, from the a, a lot of people the amalgamated information that I've seen on this issue. My thought is that. Kenny Omega was obviously working in Japan pretty regularly as part of New Japan, and he had a working visa beforehand. Once he yeah. stopped working for New Japan and had moved uh, to America with AEW, he no longer had that work visa. And he tried to use mm-hmm. it, like so it wasn't valid anymore, but he tried to use it to come back and just work in DDT anyway. And he got stopped yeah. because it was like, well, this isn't really valid. <laughs> You know, because you only had this from when you were working with New Japan, because that was like a full-time thing. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, yeah it could be that DDT's office isn't sending up stuff right. Right. Like, See, it's, they're not as big of a company. They they might not be as yeah, good so at that the, kind of For stuff. the people who are uh, concerned about the conspiracy theory that New Japan is going out of their way to fuck over uh, Kenny Omega and not let him go in or out of Japan... That's not the case. <laughs> I'm pretty damn sure that's not the case. However, also at the same time, I do think that Kenny is uh, using the ambiguity of the situation to his advantage. 
you know, to just oh, play up more like, hey, you know, people pay attention to me. Something's going on. You know, I won't give you all the details because then you can speculate. <laughs> and the internet does its thing. But, yeah. Because I, I think he would also be... Because you also notice that he hasn't said anything, like, directly against New Japan or anything. So, if they were doing something shitty, I think he probably would have directly addressed it, too. Like, I don't think he's, he's the kind of guy that would be yeah. around the bush in that regard. But since that's not what's happening, he's not mm-hmm. going to shit on them. Because he want, I know he wants to go back there at some point. Even if it's just for a couple of matches. Yeah, just to, like, kind of finish off mm-hmm. the story, right, so to speak. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, like, I feel like... I mean, don't get me wrong, he he had a great ending uh, to his Japanese career, but I feel like there's got to be like something more that he's like, Mm-mm, this has always been on my bucket list. Well, I, think, kind of I think the match that everybody knows that he's got to have and everybody wants him to have is that sometime if Ibushi becomes the world champion, Kenny Omega's got to challenge him mm-hmm. at some point. Like, that needs to happen. And I'm not saying he needs to beat him. He just needs to challenge him. We just need to have that IWGP heavyweight title match between Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega. My life will not be complete if that match never happens. <laughs> <laughs> will you be on your deathbed? And you're like, nope, like, can't no, go yet. Resurrect Wait them. on that match. <laughs> this has to happen now, damn it. <laughs> Although, shit, with our luck, both of those guys will probably end up killing themselves in the ring. You know, with the next couple of years. As they, because like they both work such insane styles, and I don't feel like they're ever going to be smart enough to slow that shit down, and so eventually they're just going to fucking kill themselves. I mean, probably right. Yeah, unfortunately, it's like that's the that's the price for great art, right? Like the Kurt Cobain's of the world, you get great <laughs> art, but then they fucking kill themselves. Yeah. Damn. Or like Robin Williams. <laughs> Kenny Omega and Cody Ibushi are the Robert Williams and Kurt Cobains of wrestling. <laughs> That's a really original and stupid quote by me. Uh, but as far as um, the big shows that are kind of coming up this year, because AEW doesn't really have like an established one show that is their big show yet, do you think? Do they? Uh, I think they're trying to make that the, like, what they just did with All Out. I think that's supposed to be their okay, big so show. Okay, yeah, All Out is probably going to be the but show. But they haven't, they haven't said anything yet then? If you think about it, it makes sense, like, chronologically, right? Like, All In was their introduction, so to speak. Not as AEW, but as the people running the show, at least, were right. all, mm-hmm. all there. Um, and then... Yeah, and then uh, they followed it up with, hey, our first big pay-per-view under the AEW banner. Like, returning to that mm-hmm. spot, so to speak. Because, yeah, you had, you had Double or Nothing, and then Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen and all that stuff. But, like, I felt like All Out was there because that was where they crowned their right. champions. Mm-hmm. So, like, it all kind of, like, falls into place that the All Out, whatever they want to call it, All In, All Out, All <laughs> whatever, is going to be, like, all their Do the hokey pokey. Yeah. <laughs> the all pokey. Yeah, no, I yeah, I agree. I, I think they're probably going to end up making all out their biggest yearly show. Um, 
so I guess I won't count that now because that's too far out and whatnot. But like Wrestle Kingdom coming up, you know, WrestleMania coming up, we're getting into that that time of year. Is there any particular big show that you're actually really excited for this year? Uh, in this upcoming year, yeah, or like in, in the kind of near future, because like you know, for me at this point, like Wrestle Kingdom is getting pretty close. We know most of the card at this point, so I am like, I'm yeah. really excited about Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, point. so yeah, WrestleMania. It's like, oh yeah, WrestleMania will happen a couple say... months later. Yeah, whatever. But it's like Wrestle Kingdom. Fuck yeah. So yeah, I gotta <laughs> gotta say that. Um, then I'm looking forward to uh, War Games followed closely by the Royal mm-hmm. Rumble. Because the Royal Rumble is my yeah. absolute favorite. Like, all the matches <laughs> on it could suck, but just the surprises of the Royal Rumble and stuff like that yeah. always get me. Um, and then, yeah, and then War Games. Because I just, I love all the cage type of matches too. So, like, Elimin- mm-hmm. Elimination Chamber, War Games, stuff like that. So Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I am excited for War Games too. I think that'll be fun. Uh, yeah, Royal Rumble is always a classic. Just the, the format of that match is so fun. Yeah, because it right, right, like as as you said, it doesn't even matter if the rest of the matches on that card suck. Like the Royal Rumble itself is just fun. Mm-hmm. You know, counting down and seeing whoever the hell is going to come out. And I feel like there's just always a lot of like fun, easy booking options they can do. Like there's always the the crazy eliminations and shit, and like the crazy saves from eliminations. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder was. Kofi gonna do something with pancakes this year? Probably. I mean, that's his thing, right? Although, you know what? I was thinking, because John Morrison was, there was all those rumors about him returning. But we haven't seen him in a little bit. I wonder if he returns at the level. And then reclaims his position as the guy that does a crazy save spot. Because he was the one that was doing it before Kofi took it over. Yeah, he did the first jump from the security wall to yep. the um, to the ring steps. That was yeah. like that was really insane too. That was a good one. Although I was thinking when he does come back, one thing that would probably be really good, if unless they want to turn Miz back heel, which they really just should, if they want to keep him a babyface, they're <laughs> like, let's have Morrison come back as a heel and like go after Miz. Because um, if I remember correctly, uh, Morrison's exit from WWE was via Miz. I think Miz uh, like hit a skull crushing finale on him, like on the the entrance ramp or something. So it was yeah. like storyline wise, Miz wrote him out of TV. So theoretically, if we're gonna con- care about continuity, which of course is WWE's crypt tonight, but <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, like, like what's their, their least priority. Uh, but yeah, if, if they did care about that, then it would make sense. Speaking of which, poor Miz. Them caring about something, that's funny. What the hell is that bastard even doing? Is he like... He's not in anything for Survivor Series, is he? Maybe he got some time off because of the they just had their second kit, right? Um, Yeah, I think you're right. Because I know there was a second one on the way, but so yeah, maybe I guess they, they probably like... had it by now. But man, God, he needs to turn back heel. Like he is so lost as a babyface. I'm like, would you agree? Because I feel like every time they've tried it as a babyface with him, it just doesn't work. 
it like it's fine for that first mm-hmm. turn when like he goes up against whatever heel he's like going against, but then that just stops after like the second yeah. week. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point because yeah, it's like he does a good enough job as a heel that I think there's there is a groundswell of people that support him. So there's that initial like okay, people kind of wanted to turn babyface, but then they immediately like oh. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. And then people lose interest. <laughs> yeah, he was really strong at first, and then, yeah, like, just uh, that. Now I don't care. <laughs> and honestly, I think I think part of the and problem yes, is that he is just such checked. a bad in-ring performer. I mean, it's also his personality. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he, personality-wise, is such a natural heel. I think it's... But, I think it's absolutely the personality. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think too. Like I, I think it's both because I'm trying to think of like how many other. I guess John Cena was pretty over in his heyday, even though he was. But I don't know. I think Cena was a lot better than Miz as an in-ring performer, though. Like, not that that's a high bar, but. Wait, you said yeah. Cena is better than Miz? Oh, absolutely. Like the thing I love about people complaining about Cena, is like when they're just like he did the same moves. I was like. So did fucking yeah. Hulk Hogan, all right? Like, <laughs> like that's just what main event guys do. Like, Stone Cold did the same exact thing too. Like, middle fingers, stomp a mud hole, stunner. Mm. Like, but Cena, I'll give him credit for. Like, when guys like Punk or Daniel Bryan came in, he had great matches mm-hmm. with them. That's true. And that's someone you. That's, that's something you can't say about like a Hogan. Also true. Like. Hogan went up went up against guys like Bret Hart and uh what should we call it? Randy Savage. Uh Savage, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I was trying to think of the good in records yeah. around his time. And like it wasn't anything special. Like it was good. It wasn't like mm-hmm. horrible, but you didn't see him up that level. No, definitely not. Yeah, he was he was personality first, second, and third, and he he hobbled around the ring too. Yeah, like, I feel like he's barely better than the great Kali as far as like mobility. <laughs> <laughs> but at least Hulk Hogan has more personality than great Kali, so that saved him. That's true. But yeah, no, I I completely agree. Yeah. And then you know now you've got like you know Cena who was right like similar style but was definitely a lot better than Hogan. But oh yeah, absolutely. But man, you know what? I, I would. I'm going to bring up this point again, but like, I would really love for Cena to come back as a heel. I think he could be, like, insanely entertaining on this roster right now, and would force a lot of people to step their game up. Do you agree? Disagree? What do you think? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Him on the mic mm-hmm. as the heel character, the rapper, would be so great against some of these. It would force them to step up, like, and get out of this mm. script thing yeah oh but speaking of oh god because cena sure as hell ain't scripting those raps like <laughs> no well, i would i would certainly fucking hope not <laughs> um but ooh, but speaking of things being scripted and whatnot uh, i almost totally fucking forgot about this point but we need to talk about it uh cm punk is back oh yeah holy shit how did I, we like, forget <laughs> it, it like almost went completely over my head. I forgot about it because it was just such an innocuous return. Yeah. 
it was it was so it was such a weird thing to return it right he's returning it backstage so he gets like the entrance ramp and um they even played cult of personality ooh, like he's yeah they even played cult and stuff like that but it's just like the five people in the ring it was like renee booker t uh adam cole and uh who else was it i'm trying to struggle whoever else it was but so was it Sonia Deville? Was the other uh, person or something like that? It was one of the girls. I honestly can't remember right now. Because whoever it was had the best line of she was just like, oh, "Is no, this a Paige. rib?" <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was Paige. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. "Is this a rib?" <laughs> As, well, because like they do so many at WWE, just, right? That it's like that's a legit question. Yeah. But it was yeah. just funny to hear that. Yeah, and then he actually walks out, and he oh loved the line. He's like. I'll be back next week. And he's like, and just when uh, they think they know all the answers, I'll change the yeah. culture. And I was like, oh, that was great, great. line. And yeah, it, it's an interesting situation, right? Because like, he's not technically working for WWE. He's working for Fox. Yeah, the, the contract is with Fox. Right, like on yeah. this WWE inside. That's Is that the name of the show or is it mm-hmm. WWE backstage? WWE backstage. backstage. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's like, so is he primarily just like interviewing wrestlers and talking about uh current storylines and things like that like is that the focus it's supposed to yeah it's supposed to be like so they were apparently on that episode especially they were really criticizing the lana and mm-hmm. rusev angle um and like apparently renee was like the only one that was like oh, i don't think it's that bad and everyone else was just like oh my yeah, god no, yeah before we even go on like <laughs> that is so bad Dude, it's bad. Like, like at this point, even even Sam Roberts on his podcast, and like he is the biggest WWE like, what does he call himself? <laughs> Shill. Uh, like he he was even like it doesn't make any sense. He was like Lana came out and was like Rusev just wanted sex all the time, and so I cheated on him with Bobby Lashley, and he's like, and then Rusev was just like, yeah, go ahead. At one point, like he was just like, yeah, I'm done with you. Like why? Alright. He's like, and now she keeps, like, calling him out. And the best part is, like, when, uh, this past week, when she was like, oh, I'm pregnant, and he came out and was like, yeah, I don't believe you. And she was like, ha, got you, I'm really not pregnant. And it's like, what? no, no, you didn't get me. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, like, I, didn't, so I didn't believe you from the beginning. But yeah, it, there's no fucking sense to what the hell's actually going on. And then from, like, uh, just an emotional payoff perspective, it's like, the only thing that anybody wants from this is for Rusev to beat up Bobby Lashley. Stop fucking with us. Like, it's gone on too long. With, like, Lana and Bobby Lashley always getting the upper hand and Rusev just getting his ass kicked all the time. Like, it's just bad. Or do you disagree? Do you think this is one of those, uh, WWE, they're gonna... See, like, oh, it's a genius plan. We got to beat him down so low to see if people will still cheer for him. <laughs> yeah, no, it's one hundred percent bad. Yeah, it's it's really bad. Because you know, at this point, right? Like, also, what you're saying with how convoluted it's become, almost. I I think my point is almost starting to become moot. In that, like, even if Rusev does beat up Bobby Lashley, pretty soon it's not even going to matter. Because this storyline is so garbage that it's like there is no payoff. But with speaking of payoffs, though, to come back to the CM Punk point, do you think 
that uh, CM Punk will enter a WWE ring at some point. Yes. I would not have said this before this week, um, but the fact that he's now on this WWE backstage show, yes. This is how, this is the cycle, right? Like, instead of, instead of 2K games, this time it's uh, a Fox Mm -hmm. show. And it's 2K games signed guys like Sting and the Ultimate Warrior and Kurt Angle and stuff like that. And then guess who's back in the ring within the year of that signing happening? Third. Yeah. So absolutely. Although do you think at this point, uh, I'm trying to remember who described it this way, but somebody said it's inevitable at this point that CM Punk will be back in a WWE ring. Do you, do you consider it inevitable? Yeah, I, I would go there. I mean, I, I don't think, I think the level of return is going to be interesting because I do think he is like older and like, now he's been in like MMA fights and stuff, so I don't know how well his body has been holding up. But uh, um, so maybe it might not be like a full time mm-hmm. thing. Could be like a Brock Lesnar type deal where he just comes in for like a WrestleMania mm-hmm. or something like that. But yeah, yeah, I, I I would agree. Yeah, I think that at some point if he comes back, and I think that it's probably likely that he does at least do a match or two, if not more. Um, but yeah. I don't think that he would ever come back like real full time, right? Like I don't think that he would do the full time touring schedule or anything like that. Like, he's just he's old and he's past that, and he's like, I think he's pretty comfortable with what he's done. And so to me, it seems like if he were going to come back, right? Like he'd probably only do maybe a handful of matches a year, maybe like special feuds and matches that like it would be like a, a specific thing, like case by case basis, probably. Rather than just like him mm-hmm. being back all the time, you know what I mean. But I, yeah. that would actually be really cool. Like, say if he was like a super special attraction, like maybe he only did do like one match a year or something. That would be really interesting. He could be the new Undertaker. <laughs> like, who gets the CM Punk match at WrestleMania? Yeah. <laughs> That's the the yearly thing to go for. Although, the other thing that could be... Like, if they really did want to, like, get their fucking bang for their buck... Like, CM Punk's whole... Like, at least part of his gripe with leaving, right? Was that he felt like he saw the painting on the wall and knew that he was never going to main event WrestleMania. So, Mm -hmm. if he did come back and really came back, then I think that would be a very interesting thing for him to try and pursue again. Right, is that it's like, well, I came back because I'm gonna main event WrestleMania. Like, and that's just how it's gonna be, and he's gonna fucking charge through whoever he needs to to get to the main event. That would be cool. Uh-huh. I'd be down for that. <laughs> I don't know. Would you be down for the uh, the CM Punk main event crusade? Absolutely, because I think he should come back and get what he. Like left for hell, so he should he... get back what he deserved. He fucking deserved a main event. Because that was bullshit. That like a, a year yeah, out true. in advance, they were already like, "Oh, guess what? We're just doing Rock and Cena, and it's gonna be the main event already." <laughs> so deal with it. But I think he did what Jr. always tells people to do: like go out and learn a new hold. And then Punk has gone out and maintained his popularity and even probably increased it mm-hmm. by doing stuff like UFC and uh, now he's got a movie out and stuff yeah. like that. So, 
Yeah, and, like, the crowd never forgot about him, man. Like, people have always been chanting his name. Although, I would be interested to see, like, with um, some of the younger fans, like, how many of them, like, never knew who CM Punk was, but just, like, experienced the CM Punk chants. <laughs> and they were like, who is this guy? Like, why are you guys saying CM Punk? And then maybe they just, like, never found out about who it was, but they just thought it was a thing that you say when you're just mad at the company. Like, that's just the chant <laughs> for some reason. So they're like, all right, whatever, I'll chant CM Punk. I don't know who it is or what it is, but, like, I'm mad too. <laughs> yeah, sure. And CM Punk finally shows up, and it's like, oh, that's the guy. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's see. Uh, is there anything else uh, we wanted to break down before we start wrapping it up this week? That's all I can think all of. Because, right. yeah, we got uh, one more week until War Games and Survivor Series, so we can do predictions then next week for the show. Um, otherwise, the only thing that's really going on as far as New Japan is that the Tag League is happening. So, lots and lots of tag matches. Who, uh, who are you thinking for the Tag League? Well, Sonata and Evil have won it for the last two years in a row, but I feel like they're hopefully priming up to become, like, more so single stars in this next year. And they both do have a legitimate um, match that they could go for at Wrestle Kingdom as far as singles matches. So I hope they don't win again this year. And I'm thinking either Ishii and Yoshihashi from Chaos. That would be a good one. Or maybe actually G.O.D., the champions, actually just win and then pick their own challenger. Mm. That could be really cool. Um... There are a couple other interesting ones, but, like, a lot of other people uh, have, like, an important singles match or something else that could happen at Wrestle Kingdom, so it would probably be better for them to do something else. So I would say one of those two would be my my pick. Or that or Finn Juice. Uh, Juice Robinson and uh, Finley. Because Dave Finley just came back from Mm. injury, and they're tag team together, so it's like, you know what? That could be something for them to do. If, if they don't want to have Juice go back after the U.S. title at Wrestle Kingdom. So. They got a couple of good options. I mean, they have a lot of good options, but I feel like those would be the three top good options. Probably Ishii and Yoshiashi would be the best. Alright. Because Ishii is the best. <laughs> Doesn't get better than the Stone Pitbull. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Alright, so I think we'll pretty much sign it off there unless there was anything else uh, you wanted to say that could top the Stone Pitbull. No, that's it for me. There we go. So, <laughs> Confirmed. Yeah, we'll catch up again later in the week with our predictions for both War Games and Survivor Series jam-packed weekend next weekend. Yes, big busy, to it. Uh, big busy Thanksgiving weekend coming up with the, uh, the Thanksgiving tradition. Is that what they call it, Survivor Series? Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so we'll have predictions for War Games and Survivor Series next time. Until then, peace out, everybody. Peace.